Welcome to the Voot Church Podcast. If you're listening to this, God has a great purpose and plan for your life. We can often overlook small moments focusing only on the mountaintop, but the truth is, it is in the mundane moments that God strengthens and anoints us for our assignment. In today's message, Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. shares on the power of the Holy Spirit. In this message, don't waste your oil. VUCON 2024, Future Glory is back. Don't miss the opportunity to be in the room. Get tickets today at VUCON.com. Now let's lean into the message together. Anyone just sensing the fire of God after the last weekend, man? If you got a Bible, quickly reach for it. 1 Samuel chapter 16 is where I want you to turn. As you're turning there, let me just make an announcement that's important that we say every week. Today is Growth Track Step 4. And um, Growth Track is the proverbial front door here at VU Church. It is the way that you get plugged in. Church is not a crowd. Church is a community. But it doesn't really become a community until you know someone, until someone knows you. That's why this week we're in Vu Cruise. It's because this thing is a gathering, but this week we're really going to be the church as we get into cruise, the small groups of our church. But Growth Track is how you start to become a participator. And um, maybe you're here right now and you're like, this is awesome, man. I'm so grateful for this place that uh, opens its doors. Um, it's cool that I can just come in and receive. But never, ever make the mistake that you receiving is free. No, somebody sacrificed, somebody gave. This morning at the location I'm at, people showed up here, I think, 5.45 in the morning. People have poured out their life so that many can walk in and receive the good news, the free news of Jesus Christ. Can we just thank God one more time for every person who serves, gives, sacrifices? And at some point, the mature me goes, yo, I can't just come and take. I need to come and give. In fact, uh, that's when church gets really fun, when you start giving to it with your time, talent, and treasure. And so I just encourage you, growth track step four. We have four steps. You can start at any step. Today's step four, and who knows what your, your, your summer looks like. Maybe this is the only time you're going to be in church all summer. Well, don't miss out on this opportunity to be a participator. Right after the service you're in, whatever location you're at, we got free food. We're going to introduce you to some free friends, uh, but you're going to hear all about, look at that, you love that. Uh, you're going to hear all about our church, but really about being empowered uh, to make a difference. And so that's happening after the service. Amen? First Samuel chapter 16. Anybody excited for the word of God today? Anybody come into God's house with some expectation today? Anybody in the room believe God is still speaking today? I'm excited, yo. I'm excited. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Since I have rejected him as king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be the king. Skipping down to verse 13, you heard these passages just two weeks ago. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, someone say, from that day on. From that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. From that day on. 
Anybody love the word of God? It's a good word today. Would you pray with me, Lord? We thank you for your word. God, we thank you, Lord, that it's alive. God, we thank you, Lord, that it's speaking a now word to us today, a rhema word for our church today. Holy Spirit, have your way in this house. Move in us. We love you. We praise you. And if you agree with that prayer, all of God's people said, Amen. come on, all of Voo Church said, Amen. and if you love Jesus one more time, can you make a little bit of noise? I like a loud church. It's a loud kind of Sunday. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I can't believe it, but we are in summer. Man, the older I get, the faster time goes. I can't believe VUCON's already over. I can't believe we are in summer. Um, anyone like me that you're like, yo, um, summer's here, but my body's not ready. <laughs> it's like, dang it, why didn't I follow through with that January discipline plan? Some of y'all got a cruise next week and you're going to the gym right after service. It ain't going to work, okay? Just, just eat, eat <laughs> and be merry. Because <laughs> we all understand that muscles don't grow overnight. Muscles take time. It's like I, I, I used to have abs, but I stopped using my abs, and now I ain't got no abs. Uh, if you don't use your muscles, how many of y'all know you, you lose your muscles? I want our church to understand that faith is a muscle. You have to activate your faith. Faith is a verb. Faith is doing something. Faith is about strengthening. It is a muscle, and church is a training room. We need to understand today that you and I, we did not climb Mount Watsko to simply step into that arena to get a little makeover from Jesus, to get a little goosebumps and feel a little something, something. No, we climbed Mount Watsko because we were saying to Jesus, we want a total takeover. Holy Spirit, we want more of you. Is there anybody in the room today that would say, I want more of God? I want more of Jesus. But I want to use my faith. I know it's summer, and some of y'all got summer vacation plans, and that's awesome. I, I celebrate. I want you to take vacation. I want you to get a rest. But please understand, as you take summer vacation, you are never taking a vacation from God. I don't care where you go this summer, but man, I believe that God, no matter where you go, he wants to continue to train you that you might become the person he's called you to become. Come on, if you believe it, somebody make a little bit of noise. I'm going on vacation, but I'm not taking a vacation from God. A week before VUCON, we were finishing our collection icon, and my icon that I was given was oil. And oil is a representation of the Holy Spirit. And I preached from this very passage that I'm sharing with you today. And as I preached the passage, I, I just felt like the Lord was speaking so much to me through it that as we got to our VU friends and family pastors gathering, I, I preached from that very passage, but a new iteration, a new sermon from the same passage. 
And then we had VUCON, and it was historic, and it was epic, and it was awesome. But then this week, I I flew to Cleveland to preach to a bunch of pastors. Then I was in San Fran on Friday night, and I was preaching to a conference. And every time I got up to preach, I was almost arrested by the Holy Spirit, drawn back to this passage where I was preaching a message called, Don't Take My Oil. But man, I was getting ready. We're not in a collection. We got a couple Sundays here where it's just free to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. And I was going, God, what is it you want me to share to your people? And I was looking at some stuff, but man, I was drawn right back to this passage again. And I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me in a crystal clear way. He said, Rich, there's still more to the message. Tell the people this Sunday, don't waste your oil. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't waste your oil. Come on, look at your other neighbor. Design district, participate. Don't waste your oil. That's my title today. Don't waste your oil. It's not just don't take my oil. It's don't waste your oil. Don't waste your oil. Don't waste your oil. And 1 Samuel chapter 16 tells us the story that Samuel, the prophet of God, he is mourning over the loss, the rejection of Saul, the first king of Israel. Saul has lived a life of disobedience, and with it, God has said, I'm no longer supporting this. I'm going to find another. And so we see Samuel in the passage, and he's grieving, and he's sad over the past. But God comes and speaks a word to him and says, how long are you going to mourn over what I rejected? And the word of the Lord for so many of us is, stop mourning over what God has rejected. That thing didn't reject you. God rejected it. Quit grieving, quit mourning, move forward. And he said, I want to go to the house of Jesse because I have selected one of his sons to be the next king of Israel. Grab your horn of oil, the symbol of the Holy Spirit, because I'm about to anoint another. What I quickly see as I read this passage is that Samuel obeys the word of God and he makes his way to the town of Bethlehem, to the house of Jesse. And when he gets there, Jesse has eight different sons. But how many of y'all know that Samuel only uses his oil on one of those boys. The oil wasn't for everyone, it was for someone. I firmly believe that as Christians and as followers of Jesus, we must catch a revelation that when it comes to your ministry, you cannot minister to everyone. Your oil ain't for everyone. It's for someone and something and for a a place and for an assignment. I see so many people that just try to reach everyone. The problem is that when you try to reach everyone, ultimately you get tired and you eventually give up. You can't do everything, but you can do something. Because some people in the room is that you're doing nothing. (laughs) And if you do nothing, you never develop muscles, you never get strong, and you eventually wither away. You can't do everything, but you got to do something. I think it's important that I say it out loud to all of you, that there is only one church that I pastor. I get to preach in other places. I was in San Fran. That was fun. I was in Cleveland. That's fun. But please understand, my oil is for one place and one place only. I don't pastor the world. I pastor Vu Church, and it's the privilege of my life, and I'm just doing the best I can. I want to give everything I got to this space. Why is it? Because if you don't understand in life, what will take place is this, is that doing everything is a waste and doing nothing is a waste. 
Someone say, don't waste your oil. So he doesn't anoint all of the sons. There's one that he is to anoint. And the scripture says that as David walks into that, I think it's a kitchen. As he walks into that kitchen, Samuel takes the horn of oil and he anoints David, the shepherd boy. And in one moment, he goes from being a shepherd to a king. Yet watch this. David, his head is drenched with oil. Oil is put on his head, not a crown. David doesn't get anointed and then move into the palace. No, he actually doesn't go to the palace. He goes back to the pasture. My man gets anointed, head drenched full of oil, and he goes back to his job of being a shepherd. Anyone wake up Monday after VUCON? Show up to your job, head full of oil, going, I wonder if anybody knows. I'm totally different. Does anybody know what I just experienced? Does anybody see what's going on in my life? It's interesting because David has a head full of oil, but nobody gets to see it, just the sheep. He's anointed, but he's not yet appointed. I got a head full of oil, but now I'm back in the pasture counting sheep. My mom, when I was younger, I used to say, Mom, uh, I can't sleep. She said, okay, Richie, close your eyes and count sheep. If you have a hard time sleeping, try this. What happens is, is counting sheep is boring and you get tired of it and you fall asleep. I know this isn't super sexy, but this is really true. Every calling requires counting sheep. What? Yeah, yeah, many of you, you had this epic experience at the Watsco, but then Monday came and you're just back in your cubicle going, is this right? What I just experienced was so epic, so awesome, but now I'm just back to doing this regular thing? See, what many people don't realize in life is that memorable moments in life are created from how you steward the mundane moments. It's called counting sheep. It's it's going through the motions and it can feel boring and it can feel tiring and it can feel fatiguing. But if we're going to be really honest, a lot of life is just counting sheep. Going to the gym, getting your kids in the van, heading off to school, sitting in a classroom, going to the meeting, waiting for vacation, eating dinner. But many times, People, they have this exhilarating moment with God. They get set on fire and they're pumped out about being anointed and carrying oil, but then they are dealt with the rude awakening that reality is full of counting sheep. And I wonder how many callings and assignments are lost because people are unwilling to count sheep. See, people destroy good things not because they have a bad thing, but because they hate monotony. Some of y'all in this place, like you've had three different majors at university, not because any of the majors were bad, 
you're just like, I didn't know I had to count sheep, bro. Some of y'all have had like four jobs in two years. Not because any of those jobs were bad, but just simply because you don't like counting sheep. You didn't have a bad spouse. You just didn't know marriage comes with counting sheep. I need something new. I need something exciting. I want to get back to that moment that my head was drenched with oil. This don't feel right. So many people leave good churches, not because they got a bad church, but because the monotony of church life, they start going, man, this isn't enough. Can I be really, really clear? We are not building a convention to build a church. Friends, we are building a church in order to build a convention. It is the refusal of everyday people to say, we're not going to forsake the gathering of the saints. We're just going to keep showing up Sunday after Sunday, even in the monotony, we're going to steward it because it's going to create something memorable. I'm learning in life that some people, they don't know the difference between adrenaline and anointing. And we go chasing feelings, and we go chasing emotions, and we go chasing moments, not realizing, man, that you can have a head full of oil and be right back in the pasture counting sheep, and it's not outside of God's will, it's actually the plan of God. Someone say, don't waste your oil. Some of you, you got to your office on Monday, and you're like, this don't feel right. I want the adventure of the arena. I want to be in Mount Watsko. Not at my job at Kinko's. This feels so insignificant. But friend, it is not insignificant. It's called development. That's a word that we don't know much about anymore. We live in a world where everybody wants to be discovered but nobody wants to be developed. I was born in 1984. I actually lived in a time period where there was this thing that we had cameras that required film. Gen Z is, what is this you speak of? Film, it was this black paper material that you only got a certain amount of pictures that you could take. After you took all the photos, you had to wind it up, pull it out, put it in a capsule, take it to a spot, a brick and mortar location, where they then take it. They take the negatives, put it into a dark room in order for those things to develop. It took time. Development takes time. And God would say to some of you in this room today, if I deploy you without developing you, your assignment will destroy you. There is no such thing as a God destination without development. And here's David. He's been anointed, but he hasn't been crowned. And anointing and crowning are two totally different moments. He's got a head full of oil, but he's got to go back to the pasture and do the mundane, monotonous thing in counting sheep. But he has enough of a revelation that I'm going to go back into that pasture and I'm going to do this thing faithfully. I'm going to do it unto the Lord. I'm telling you what, you are never ready for a promotion until you can do the thing that's staring right at you faithfully unto the Lord. Is there anybody in the room today that would say, God, I want to be developed. God, I want to be trained. God, I don't want to waste this season. Come on, somebody, give God a shout of praise. Don't waste your oil, South Miami. Don't waste your oil, friends and family.
Don't waste your oil because with God, there is no such thing as any wasted season. For even a waiting season doesn't have to be a wasted season. God's putting you in a training room and he's developing you before he deploys you. And yes, David, the power of the Holy Spirit is upon you, but the Holy Spirit is leading you right back out into the pasture and you're going to go out there and count sheep with the Holy Ghost. But it's an amazing thing to consider that David, as he goes back out into the pasture and he goes back to his regular job, he's not acting like the king. Some of you got God dreams this past week. And it hasn't happened in a seven-day period. You're like, I don't know, God, was that you? <laughs> he goes right back there, and he has to continue with the Holy Spirit to be a shepherd. But it's fascinating to me, because when I start thinking about David and him being a shepherd, I quickly see that him being a shepherd in that season is developing him to be a king in the next season. Let's just think about some of the responsibilities of a shepherd. This is a really simple teaching. Shepherds, number one, they have to lead the sheep. Everyone say, lead them. Sheep, uh, they, they, they travel in packs, and the shepherd, his job is to keep the sheep in a pack, keep the sheep in a community. Uh, sheep, I hate to say it, are pretty dumb animals. They're stubborn animals. Um, they have really bad eyesight, and they tend to wander. And when the sheep wanders, it makes them subject to predators. And so a good shepherd carries a staff that has a curved end, and any time the sheep begins to wander, he pulls the sheep back into community. What a perfect picture of you and I. Because what the enemy wants to do this summer and every season of your life is he wants you to drift away from the community. He wants you to drift away from the pack because the enemy is like a roaring lion roaming around. How do lions attack? They always take the prey away from the pride, away from the pack. It's the same thing in our faith journey that as we wander, we put ourselves in a place where predators, the wolf, can come in and cut in on our faith journey. And so the shepherd has to, has to guide the sheep. But the powerful thing about the shepherd is the shepherd has this thing called vision. The shepherd is not blind. The shepherd stands taller than the sheep. And what do leaders do? Leaders see more and leaders see before. It's the gift of vision. And David doesn't even know it, but as he is in this season of counting sheep and being a shepherd, he's actually getting the gift of leadership. And he's going to need leadership as he becomes a king because leadership is not forced. Leadership is followed. But because he knows how to be a good shepherd, he knows how to protect the sheep of Israel and he's got a vision of where God is taking them. <laughs> Nothing is wasted with God. I'm grateful for the gift of vision. I believe Voo Church is a house that's always operated with vision. God, give us a vision of where you're taking us. Vision gives pain purpose. God is growing us and God is doing something in us. Anybody thankful for a God vision here at Voo Church? Come on, somebody, give God some praise. Back in November, we announced that we have plans at our South Miami location to build a state-of-the-art 1,100-seat auditorium, brand new kids facility. We announced it, we were excited about it. It felt like a head full of oil. Only to then have all sorts of delay after delay after delay. All sorts of opposition and challenges, just trying to get on the agenda in the city of South Miami to even present the plans. 
Well, I just want to let you know a little miracle that took place this past week because we didn't just climb Mount Watsko. As we got to Tuesday, myself, Chris Lopez, Adrian Molina, David D., we went to a meeting at South Miami City Hall. And we got a long way to go. Not everything is completed and done, but I really believe in celebrating miracles in motion, celebrating little things along the way. This was our first opportunity to present to the board our plans for South Miami. We were going in looking for a pre-approval, uh, pending pre-approval of just getting things started. We had a lot more approvals to get, but man, we walked in. We weren't sure what to expect, but I bring good news. As we presented the vision, we got an acceptance on a pre-approval in South Miami. I need every location right now from Design District to South Miami to right here in the city to online. Come on, somebody. Can we give God some praise? He's doing something. It ain't done yet. But I believe he's leading us and guiding us, and he's given us vision. He's given us vision. The shepherds, they don't just lead the sheep. They feed the sheep. You got to lead them and feed them. Sheep are not very smart. They won't eat or they'll eat too much. And it's the shepherd's job to make sure that they have a well-balanced diet so that they don't become malnourished. David learns how to feed sheep. I think it's interesting that in the Greek, the word pastor is the word shepherd. That pastoring is about feeding sheep. Remember, it was Jesus who said to Peter, Peter, feed my sheep. Well, how do you feed sheep? It's not just literal food, but rather we feed God's people through the word of God. Anybody grateful for the word of God in this house? Look at what the Bible says. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You have work to do. You have an assignment. You're anointed to do something. My job as pastor and as shepherd is to make sure that you're well fed with God's word. I got to make sure that you have a balanced diet. And according to God's word, sometimes God's word is for teaching. Sometimes God's word is for rebuking. Sometimes God's work is for correcting. And sometimes God's work is for training. But when I get a well-balanced meal, I grow strong and I'm equipped for service, for work, for an assignment. This is powerful because David isn't just learning how to lead, he's learning how to pastor. Why would that be important? Well, Israel is God's sheep. And the former king of Israel, Saul, he knew how to lead at times, but he never learned how to pastor. He never learned how to put God first. He never learned how to teach the people of Israel to fear God. In fact, he himself didn't fear God. And with it, it led to his demise. But there's David out there counting sheep. It looks so insignificant. He's got no idea that God's got him in a training room developing him as he makes a decision, I'm not gonna waste my oil. Someone say, don't waste your oil. You don't just lead them, you don't just feed them, but shepherds, they protect the sheep. Someone say, protect them. This is so important that shepherds, they have that staff, but it's their job that when predators come for the sheep, that they have to stand in the gap. 
Sheep are prey. <laughs> they are not predators. And David, he didn't just learn how to lead out there. He didn't just learn how to feed out there. He learned how to protect out there. In fact, the Bible says that on one occasion, a lion came. But David, the shepherd, he was there at the right time to protect the sheep. Another occasion says a bear came, but there was David there standing in the gap between the sheep and the bear, and he protected them. What David didn't know it at the time is that these smaller battles were training him for a bigger battle. Because one day he gets a call to go to the Valley of Ella, where he shows up, and there the sheep of Israel, the people of Israel, are standing in a place of a posture of waiting and hesitation and fear. Because there is a giant known as Goliath, and he is on the other side. He's a Philistine. And every day he hurls insults and threats, and the people are paralyzed in fear. But David, who's been fighting little battles all along, shows up on the scene. And he's like, what's up? No one wants to fight him? And they're like, nah, bro, we're scared of him. And David's like, I'll fight him. I'll fight him. Is there not a cause? I'll fight him. This isn't my first battle. This isn't my first fight. I've learned how to protect sheep. Now I'm going to protect God's sheep. I didn't know it, but my season of being a shepherd was actually developing the skills I would need to be a good king. Nothing's wasted with God. It's good, bro, because David rocks up. This guy's like, I don't know. He's like, pre-puberty, two armpit hairs, slingshot. He walks up, bro, like, I like Holy Ghost trash talking. David's like, who are you, giant? You come against me in the name of the God of Israel, whom you have defied. Your sword, your spear, your javelin. Oh, yeah. This day, I'm going to cut off your head. He don't even have a sword as he says this. And I'm going to give your flesh to the beasts of the earth and the birds of the air. And all will know. All will know who's God is really God. And he starts winding up. It wasn't the second rock. It wasn't the third rock. It wasn't the fourth rock. It was the first rock. Courage like this doesn't show up in spontaneity. You don't learn to trash talk like this by default. Courage like this Trash talking like this only comes from learning how to steward the moments of counting sheep. I've been here before. I'm not afraid of you. I've already faced a lion. I've already faced a bear. I got five stones, but I've got some skills. If I don't make it with the first one, trust me, the second one's going to hit you. And if the second one doesn't hit you, I know the third one's going to get you. And if I can't get you with the third one, trust me, it won't require more than five because I've been here before. Someone say, don't waste your oil. Some of us are wasting oil today because we're listening to the wrong voices. You got to listen to the voice of the good shepherd and what he says about you. I hate to tell you, but Jesus says that you and I are sheep. Not very encouraging, but very true. Dumb, stubborn animals with really bad eyesight. 
We need the voice of the good shepherd. That's why Jesus says, my sheep know my voice and they listen to me. Because sheep have really bad eyesight, but the one thing they got going for them is they got really good hearing. And may I remind you, man of God and woman of God, you don't walk by sight. Woo. You've been touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. You walk by faith. Where's all the faith walkers at in the room tonight? And faith doesn't come by seeing. Faith comes by? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the, the word of the Lord. That as I get God's word, the only thing that's birthed inside of me is a sense of faith. And my faith is a muscle. I'm going to use my faith so I don't lose it. you got to go back and look at David because David caught a revelation in the pasture. Long before Jesus declared, I am the good shepherd, David already knew it. But he didn't discover it in the palace. He learned it in the pasture with a head full of oil and only sheep to notice. What does David say? The most famous psalm of all time, Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I got his vision. You see me now today, but y'all, I'm maturing right before you. I shall not want. I'm not a victim. I'm not overlooked. I'm not insignificant. My life is not mundane and boring. It's called counting sheep. I'm mature. I'm content in Jesus. He makes me lie down in green pastures, yo. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I'm in the training room today being restored. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, come on somebody, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. I don't know if there's any witnesses in the room today, but my cup is overflowing. And surely your goodness and surely your mercy will follow me all the days of my life, even if I'm in the pasture, even if I'm in an insignificant place, even if I haven't seen the totality of being crowned in the moment, even if I've got a head full of oil, but I don't feel like I'm there yet, I believe your goodness and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Somebody give God a shout of praise. Forever! forever we're not building a church to build a convention come on somebody our church is overflowing that's a moment it's amazing it fuels us up but it's not why we exist we exist to find purpose even in counting sheep. And I gotta make sure I listen to the good shepherd, otherwise I will waste my oil. And some of you, you are wasting your oil because you're not listening to his voice. You're listening to all sorts of other voices. Isn't it funny? Samuel shows up to Jesse's house and Jesse brings all seven of his sons. He goes from appearance, height, age, and all of a sudden they've all come, seven number of completion. And Samuel's like, you got any more kids? And what does Jesse say? Oh yeah, uh, the youngest, the youngest being number eight, Number eight being the number of new beginnings. David shows up on the battle of Valley of Ella and King Saul sees him and says, you're a boy. You can't fight Goliath. 
He gets up to Goliath. What does Goliath say? They sent out a dog to come and fight me? He's got his daddy calling him young. He's got his king calling him a boy. And he's got his enemy calling him a dog. But God, the good shepherd, never called him young. Never called him a boy. Certainly never called him a dog. Instead, God says, this is a man after my own heart. I want to encourage some people out there. I don't care what your mama said. And I don't care what your daddy said. I don't care what some leader in your life said over your life. I don't care what some boss told you. I certainly don't care what your enemy says about you. You're not a boy. You're not young. You're not a kid. You are a man of God. You're a woman of God. You're a child of God. Come on, somebody. You got to listen to the good shepherd. Someone say, don't waste your oil. Don't waste your oil. Don't waste your oil. Don't waste your oil. It's not insignificant this season. It's called development. He's not deploying you until he develops you. And there is no God destination that is absence of his development. There's no such thing as destiny without his development. God doesn't waste stuff. We waste stuff. Trying to do everything. Doing nothing. We waste stuff. We waste moments. We waste seasons. God want me to tell you, he doesn't waste stuff. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. If you're going to memorize a verse this summer, why not make it this one? And we know. Someone say, we know. Let's make it personal. Say, I know. Say, I know. And I know that in all things, someone say all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to to his purpose. God works all things together. All things. All things. I, I was an 80s baby, as I told you. I know what the word film means, but uh, I also know about my favorite show on PBS, Painting with Bob Ross. <laughs> my man had a perm afro, bell bottoms. His button of his shirt started right around here. And he would do live paintings for public access television. And I, bro, as a kid, I just love watching it. And if you ever watched it, you probably had the same experience as me because as he's painting, he's like, you're like, dude, that's, that's amazing. Woo, look at that picture. And I, all the time, I'm like, bro, Bob, you're done. Good job. It is good, you know, like, you're finished. But Bob, every time, like right when I thought it was finished, he's like, you know, this painting, it's missing something. It needs some happy trees. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. It's done. And he would grab his paintbrush, usually in the color of black, and he would just put a smudge right there on the painting. And if you were like me, you watch it like, bro, you just ruined a masterpiece. Oh my God, Bob, what are you thinking? I get mad at the television. My brother, I'm like, this guy's crazy, man. He was right there. It was so good. Why'd you have to go and mess it up? But if you didn't change the channel, and if you didn't leave the room, if you would just give it some time, the smudges and the stripes and the blotches would become exactly what that painting needed. He finally finished, and you'd say, man... Bob's a genius. <laughs> Never doubted him. Always had faith in him. 
You see, he is the master artist and it's up to him to decide when it's become a masterpiece. And so it is with your life. We're not the oil. We're the tool. We're the vessel. God, use me for your glory. I'm not trying to live on adrenaline, but I want to step into what you've called me to do with your anointing. His anointing simply means his agreement over your calling, that you would sense the agreement, the touch of God on your life. And as you go through this journey with God, there's going to be these moments where these big black smudges show up, suffering and pain and opposition. How long I got to live in the pasture? I could have sworn I was called to be a king. I could have, could have sworn I was called to a promotion. How long I got to live in this pit? How long I got to live in this prison? How long I got to deal with this opposition? How many more betrayals do I have to go through? Many times we give up before the artist is done with the painting. But my Bible says that in all things, bad things, crummy things, hurtful things, painful things, embarrassing things, shameful things, crushing things. You see, your oil is the Holy Spirit seeping out of your broken life. You want to minister? Your ministry is birthed out of your authenticity. Your fake life, your hidden life, your projected life doesn't help anyone. But rather, when you choose to say, I'm not going to waste my oil, I can't do everything, but I can do something. As you choose to pour out your oil, all the stuff that you've gone through, but you haven't quit, all the pain that you faced, but you didn't run in the other direction, all of a sudden as you're standing there and the Holy Spirit starts to seep out of your broken life, I'm telling you what, your oil becomes healing for somebody else. Don't waste your oil. Don't waste it, don't waste it, don't waste it, don't waste it. How do I waste my oil, Rich? You waste oil when you hoard oil instead of pour oil. You're not called to hoard it, you're called to pour it. Your oil's not for you, it's for other people. How do I pour oil, Rich? How do I pour it? You pour it by simply telling your story. Tell your story. What has God done in your life? Because some of you, you got to work on Monday and you were like, you were fired up. You're like, okay, okay. You were restless. You were like, oh my God, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. You're like, God, I'll do anything. God, I'm ready to do something big. God, I'm ready to do, you want me to go to Africa and be a missionary? I'll do it, I'll do it. God, you want me to quit this job right now and just like go to VU and just be there? I'll do it, God. God, should I go in my prayer closet for the next year and just hang out there and just drench in the oil? I want to do something big for you, God. God's like, yeah, I got big plans for you. But let's start with something very small. Share your story. Pour your oil. Pour your oil. Pouring oil is not you becoming a politician for Jesus. It's being an ambassador for Jesus. 
pouring oil is not about you being a judge for Jesus. It's about being a witness for Jesus. Pouring oil is not about being an actor. Haha, blessed and highly favored. No, 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 no. Pouring oil is about being a storyteller of the good thing that Jesus has done in your life. Don't waste your oil. Don't waste your oil. Don't waste your oil. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Right now, today, there's an assignment. Right now, today, God has a purpose for your life. Pour out your oil. Share your story. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That's the work that Jesus did and the word of our testimony. How do you make it through a monotonous season? How do you make it through a season that feels insignificant? Baby, you just start testifying of the goodness of God. You be a witness for Jesus. Why does the Holy Spirit come upon you in power? That you might be a witness. Someone say, don't waste your oil. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Pour it. Pour it. Use it. Share it. Spread it. You ain't got to do it like me. You ain't got to do it like Pastor Manu. You ain't got to do it like Adrian or David D or Dakota or Don Cherie. You do it like you. It is not insignificant the season you are in. It's called development. And if you'll start pouring your oil, guess what? God will keep filling you up. I feel like I'm losing the fire, Rich. I feel like I came down from the mountain. No, friend, don't waste your oil. The widow at Zarephath just had a little bit of oil, and the prophet said, grab as many vessels as you possibly can and pour it out. And as, as every time she poured it, as long as there was a vessel there, it kept, kept on coming. It kept on flowing. It stopped when she stopped finding vessels. I want to tell you today that if you'll pour out your oil, God will let it continue to flow. He will keep filling you up over and over and over again. You don't just have to have a Mount Watsko experience and then derail until next June. No, Sunday after Sunday, crew after crew, serving after serving. Sometimes it's going to feel like counting sheep, but one year from now, you're going to go, wow, I've grown strong. But you got to use your oil. Samuel had to pour out his oil on David. Moses had to pour out his oil on the tabernacle. The disciples had to anoint the demoniacs with oil to see deliverance. The elders had to anoint sick people with oil to watch them get well. Jesus, he himself, he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Why? To preach the gospel, to see the captives set free. The good Samaritan used his oil to help the man in the ditch get well. And so it is with you and so it is with me. You got to use your oil. God wanted me to tell you where you're at today is not insignificant. It's development. And let his word sink into your heart. This week marks the two-year anniversary of the Surfside Collapse. We had people in our church that were hit by that great tragedy. And when I think about this idea of someone not wasting their oil, when I just think about a really practical case study just in our local church, I think about a guy by the name of Mike Noriega. Serves here on our parking teams here at the city. Yeah, we can make a little bit of noise if you know Mike. Mike's grandmother was tragically killed in that collapse. And I watched Mike. I watched him make a decision in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, 
choose to say, I'm not going to waste my oil. He's been on all sorts of different newscasts. He's been on nationally syndicated news. And every time that microphone gets put in his face, somehow he finds an opportunity to give the message of Jesus. He said, I'm not going to waste this pain and this tragedy. I'm going to pour out oil. Last night, on the two-year anniversary, they had a prayer vigil. My wife was there with Mike and others from our church. And in the midst of heartache and heartbreak, in the midst of what looks like such a terrible season and a season that I would love to just throw away, Mike once again said, I'm not going to waste my oil, but rather I'm going to minister from a place of authenticity. And I'm going to let the power of the Holy Spirit seep through this broken life. And friends, when his oil comes through, it's healing for people. It ministers to people. And you're not very different from Mike. Because maybe you're waiting on whatever your metaphorical palace is. But maybe you could catch a revelation today that life's not really about the palace, the promotion, or the dream. Life is lived in between. And in between, there's a purpose. And in between, you can make a difference. And in between, you can pour out your oil. And you too can make a difference for those around you. If you believe it, can you go ahead and give God a big shout of praise? Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we aren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present, and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in your next steps on your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com forward slash online. We love you.